morning, um, this is our last Sunday uh, before Christmas, and we'll break from the book of Romans um, to bring you a Christmas-themed message titled, Give You a Sign. I drove by, um, I don't even know, I think we'd went to, my grandson plays basketball, and I think we'd went to, um, to his ball game the other evening when he was coming up the road. And I've been studying for this message uh, since the first of the month at least um, because I spoke the one verse that is the key verse uh, on a Wednesday evening just as a snippet. Um, but as I was coming up the road, I noticed the sign at Carlos is just, you know, just he was flashing message after message after message. And I thought, I wish I had that sign here this morning. Because that's what this message is about. God give you a sign. And if you have your Bibles and you, you would or they'll put it on the board, just read it along with me. Don't, don't, don't let me just read it to you. I want you to read it along with me. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 and then Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. Realize that this verse in Isaiah was written approximately seven to eight hundred years prior to what we will read in Matthew chapter 1. Therefore, the Lord himself, notice where it's coming from, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Then Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary had betrothed to Joseph, or was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall bring, be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Let's 
Matthew's account of Isaiah's prophecy. Nowhere in the four Gospels do we find a single recorded word that Matthew spoke. What we do find is Matthew used at least 129 quotations, as he did here, where he alluded to the Old Testament in his gospel. As a tax collector, he was used to keeping systematic records and beginning with the genealogies throughout his entire gospel, he gives a very detailed account of our Lord's heredity, which was of utmost importance to the Jews and also to us. Um, he gives a detailed account of his birth here and of Christ's ministry throughout his 28 chapters that he's written. He may have left his job as a tax collector to follow Jesus, but he brought his pen and his tending to details with him when he penned this book. He is the only gospel writer to use the word church in, in, his, in his book that he he writes, and he made it clear that Jesus, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's odd what he does here because he makes it clear that Jesus was not born of Joseph. And he also, throughout his gospel and, and where he, he writes, he makes it clear that the church must must not maintain a racial or social exclusiveness of the faith in Christ because it makes all believers in Christ one. As he penned the gospel, which was to go to all nations, he gives us that evidence in, in, in his closing benediction of the Great Commission that we are all, Jews and Gentiles alike are having the opportunity to be a part of the church by our faith in Christ. He, this was very and is very important to readers. And, and now I'm going to take you to this give you a sign. Most people, I heard someone say the other day, I read my Bible through every so often, or, or I've partially read it through, but I don't read the book of Leviticus, and, and I don't read the genealogies. Uh, you know, this so-and-so begets so-and-so doesn't mean anything. Um, I, I, I don't get much out of it. And yet the entire Bible, and, and we didn't read it because I'd slaughter the names, but if you was to read the first 17 verses in the book of Matthew, because we picked up at verse 18, if you was to read the first 17 verses, the accuracy of the genealogies, the entire Bible, your salvation rests on those genealogies. Why? Because it establishes the Lord in His lineage 
to the throne of David. And Joseph's lineage is in Matthew, and Mary's lineage is, comes through Luke's account of the genealogies, which all proves that Christ, our Savior, is fulfillment of all 300 plus. There's differing accounts of how many, but all 300 plus Old Testament prophecies. Now, when you look at what we read in Isaiah about his prophecy that the Messiah would come, born of a virgin, and, and it just sticks with you for a second, that that was written 800 years, we slaughter Matthew with this idea of, well, he was a publican, he was a sinner, he was a tax collector, and yet he gives the detailed account of the genealogy of Christ to establish this prophecy that was fulfilled. Four things that, that really stood out to me about this, the, the genealogies, and, and once again, I want you to go home and read them this afternoon, but in those first 17 verses, there was names of four women. And women were not really thought of much back in those days, especially, and, 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 and you can even see it in Matthew's account of where he said, and he called. It doesn't say they picked the name for Christ. I mean, typically when, when you have a child, you, you discuss, you argue, you fuss, you, you contemplate what the name of that child's going to be, and yet it says he, Joseph, picked his name because God had given it to him. Mary didn't have any say in what was done. But those four names that we find in the genealogy, Tamar, because why? She was a sinner. Rahab. Why is her name there? I think it's because she was a harlot. And you look, and, and Bathsheba, whose name is not there, but it says the wife of Uriah, who in fact was the right wife of David because of adultery and a murder that was committed. And, and then you look at Ruth, who to me is a simple picture of grace in the eyes of Boaz as we uh, receive grace in the eyes of Christ. Wow, what a story that is told in Matthew chapter 1. But the grandest of all is what Matthew quoted in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and hear a son, or bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God gave the Jews... God gave you, and God gave me a sign with the virgin-born child that was born in that manger in Bethlehem. That should not and cannot be explained away by some legal uh, or liberal theologian or college professor or, or some Casper Milk Toast Silk Panty Waist preacher. I, I don't care who it is. To explain away the virgin birth, a, a few years back, they, 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 when, when the NIV first come out, it's not there now, or at least the, virgin, uh, the, the, the version that I have, 
calls him a virgin, but they put a young woman because they wanted theologians, wanted to explain away the virgin birth of Christ. Um, they, they wanted to, to, you know, make it as if that was not possible. Um, the royal lineage to the throne of David through Mary from David's son Nathan and, and, and the lineage through Joseph from Solomon um, as you read this, is, was of utmost important to the Jews in that time because there's prophecy that was fulfilled as a result of the throne of David being filled by Christ. And, and yet, this, the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecies, the sign being born of a virgin is crucial not just to the Jews, but it's crucial to all of us. And it is the sign that we can so trust in the atoning sacrifice of the spotless Lamb of God because sin was not passed to him through Joseph. It was born, he was born of God, which makes him the spotless, sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Matthew makes it perfectly clear in these genealogies and the account of Jesus' birth, that Joseph is not Jesus' father. God, as he quoted in this verse, the Holy Spirit was the father of Jesus, according to verse 18. And being so fulfills that prophecy that Isaiah wrote down 800 years prior to Christ ever being born. It's miraculous. And someone will say, oh, but preacher, I can't believe someone is intelligent. I had someone say that. I can't believe someone intelligent as you believe in the virgin birth. Huh. It's documented. It's documented. (laughs) These words that we have read this morning come from the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I had the opportunity uh, to, to see those Dead Sea Scrolls. This is not a fairy tale. This is a documented account. And, and all you intellectuals you know, that, that, that have is, is some rationalized thinking when someone says, oh, it couldn't have happened because it's just not possible. Well, you don't believe in the miraculous. Nor do you have any documentation of of what your rational thinking is. We have documentation. If Joseph, her husband, believed in the virgin birth, it's good enough for me. He could have had her stoned to death, which is what the law allowed for because of her being pregnant before they had even come together, slept together, or even lived in the same house together. He could have had her stoned to death because they had, uh, as we would say it, an engagement. And when you think about that, he could have made this public example, but he obviously thought about it to do that. Because an angel of the Lord came and convinced him to take her 
as his wife. He knew what the law was. And, you know, here's another little caveat that just we, the the Catholic Church even, um, make much of Mary and what they call immaculate um, conception. There is a difference between immaculate conception and virgin birth. Just, just so you, you know. Immaculate conception leads us to believe that Mary was just as uh, 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 spotless as was Jesus. And, and that's why I think it's more important that we believe in the virgin birth because sin was not passed through the lineage of Joseph. And uh, I believe in the virgin birth. And yet I believe God chose Joseph as much as he chose Mary. Um, most men, most men would have had and made a public example of her. And as we know, Joseph obviously loved her. He didn't want to hurt her. And God made it clear to him what had taken place through this angel that spoke to him. Folks, that's a, that, that is the miracle of it all. When, when you look at it, he gives you a sign in, in neon lights. If you're here this morning, let me tell you, intellectual peep squeaks that, that may be thinking or, or, or wandering, something else in, that I believe in besides the virgin birth. I, I believe in the resurrection from the dead. And, and I believe in, in, in Jesus, His name, that saves us from our sins. And I believe in, in Christ, His title, that is all-powerful. And I believe in Emmanuel, that He is God called with us still this day. And I believe He comforts the lonely. I believe He gives peace in, in the middle of the storm. And, and in fact... I saw that just this week, and if, if you look at any part of the news, I saw a man sitting in the middle of his living room with no roof on his house, playing what a, or something about that name on his piano that was still in place with his house destroyed. Now that's peace in the middle of a storm. By the name of Jesus is what that is. And, and I believe He fills the void of those who suffers heartache. I believe He fills the void of those who are dealing with sorrow and mourning, the loss of a loved one during the Christmas season. I believe He restores broken relationships. I believe He heals illness and disease. And I believe He forgives our sins and saves those that are bound by the pains and the chains of sin. And I believe He has the power in the blood to change lives still today. I believe in the miraculous and I hope you do too. Because a sign was given that this child was born of a virgin. Folks, I feel sorry if you're sitting here this morning and you don't. But preacher, you sound dogmatic. Well, I hope so. I hope so because the sign that was given is all important to us.
If all you believe is about Christmas is parties, meals, family time, presents, trees, lights, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for your upbringing. I feel sorry for you and your way of thinking. Christmas is meaningless. The cross is meaningless without this sign that was given, the virgin-born Son of God. It's meaningless. It cannot, He cannot be God with us if He was not born of the Holy Spirit. There is no sinless sacrifice which pays the price for your sins and mine that that cleanses us, that makes us acceptable and righteous. We're not righteous because we live righteous. We're righteous because Christ was righteous and our faith and trust in Him is what God accepts, not your penny-ante try to be a perfect person through your self-righteous, hypocritical holiness. I'm thankful that... that and, and I want a Savior that is able to save me and reach down and save me while I was yet a sinner, according to Romans 5.8. I, I, I struggle with sinless perfection of people. <coughs> I struggle with the thought that people can't see their own sin. Christians that... that, that Claim to be perfect. Man, I, I, I know what shape I was in when Christ reached down and saved my soul and I put my faith and trust in Him. Christ, the all-powerful one, who is able not just to save us, but was able to change my life. And give victory over death, hell, and the grave to me. I will live eternally somewhere. All of us do. But thank God my eternity is going to be with God in heaven, not in hell burning. Because of a virgin born son of God. Who was able to give victory to me and you over death, hell, and the grave. Gave victory over alcoholism. Gave victory over addiction. Gave victory over pornography, adultery, human trafficking, stealing, lying, cheating. Whatever it is, He gives us victory and can change our lives because He's God with us. As quoted by Isaiah. When you see the sign, when you see 
and understand and trust in Christ and believe, according to verse 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That is the Christmas story. And when you understand that, and you've put your faith and trust in him, then you understand and appreciate the true meaning of Christmas. There's nothing wrong with all the aspects of Christmas. And I encourage it. I, I, I was never so disappointed as a year ago having to take pictures in a garage with my mother sitting in a chair because we wanted to maintain our distance. There's something about the season of getting your family together, having your parties with those at work, of spending time and appreciating and exchanging gifts. There's something about all that that brings joy to our heart. And it's good, obviously. I mean, I don't understand 25 Christmas trees in a house, but... To me, one was always enough. I mean, one inside, maybe decorate something outside. But when you get this sign, then you understand the true meaning of Christmas. And it makes all the other festivities have more meaning because of what we are actually worshiping and what we are actually doing during this time of year. We can go overboard with presents. We fuss over who has the biggest present at our house. I wrapped something that I bought myself there, Linda did, so I have the biggest present just to aggravate the kid. And yet they'll argue now, since I've got the biggest, over who has the biggest stack, and they'll put them on top of one another. That's joy of family and Christmas and fun. But man, the sign of God with us, the virgin born who is able to save us, is what it's all about. And please, I'm not asking you to stop what you're doing at Christmas, but somewhere as parents, and this doesn't have to be a holier than thou, God is in his holy temple, but somewhere get across to your kids, your grandchildren, that what Christmas is really about. Take the time, if nothing else, to stop and pray at your dinner or your party and thank God that this sign was given that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Let's all stand.